This episode was brought to you by PBO House, a digital marketing consultant and production house. Check them out via their socials at PBO House. You might hear another voice or two in the background. That's just our sound engineer who happens to be in the room. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening. Welcome to Beyond the Hashtag episode 8. What's going on my people? How's everyone? How are you guys doing? Hope you guys enjoyed the last episode, episode 7. That was a very, very touchy one on stereotypes. Um, Ask you guys, you know, what you heard in terms of football commentary you know did you hear like a loads loads of racial bias in the stereotypes um we spoke to a couple of our listeners you know they messaged in um one of them abdella he said that uh he's a chelsea fan and he watched one of the chelsea games and he was hearing ingolo kante described as a you know midfield enforcer and kind of for all his like running around and physical attributes rather than the actual intelligence that is needed for his role um which is like he kind of does interceptions and that kind of thing and tackling without going to ground which uh, requires a lot of intelligence but people only want to shout about him running around the pitch and that kind of thing so um so yeah thank you thank you abdella for pointing that one out and then we also had our listener michelle um she dropped a few comments to us about the episode going quite deep in terms of the bias that's seen with american football and you know the myth that black players don't have the skill set to be quarterbacks and um because they can't think as analytically and stuff like that in american football and and that's what that report by last week that we analyzed was based on um it was based on like american football the olympics that kind of thing so yeah michelle highlighted that quite quite clearly and and it was definitely a point that we can see the relation between the two sports. So, yeah, last episode was interesting. We're going to keep listening to, obviously, commentary, especially those of us who watch football on a regular basis to see the racial bias and hopefully, you know, the commentators are, are <laughs> reducing it, let's say, um, and if we can see the numbers, then, yeah, we'll, we'll analyse that in future weeks to come. Today's episode, though, guys, there's a lot. There's a lot to cover. Normally, I start the episode just talking about, maybe spend five, ten minutes talking about the current news. Today's episode is just going to be about the current news, just because <laughs> there's so much going on. I, I, I can't, like, just drop one. I can't drop one or two and speak about one or two and leave the others. There's, there's just a lot. And all these kind of different news stories um, just spring off and branch off into different areas and topics that, that we kind of talk about all rolled into one so you know we're going to be talking we're going to be reviewing the Anton Ferdinand racism in football documentary which aired on BBC a couple of weeks ago if you haven't seen it yet then it's available on BBC iPlayer but we just you know I, I watched it and I analysed it a few times and and just touching on the different issues we'll we'll delve deep into that um, I'll explain a bit about the story later for those of you who aren't aware of who Anton Ferdinand is we're going to also be talking about um, a couple of incidents surrounding racist language which is more on the ignorant side than the actual abuse side, but it's still wrong in its nature. So we mentioned Edison Cavani and the UEFA Champions League case that happened a couple of days ago. Um, so and, and, and all the palaver surrounding that. And then we're also going to be talking again. And I need to start actually counting how many times I talk about this, but the knee. <laughs> I told you guys from time back, episode five, especially when I said about the fans coming back, I was like, this knee is going to cause, cause problems. I said it. And it caused problems because now fans aren't allowed back in stadiums. And Millwall especially had their issues with the knee in the last game week. So, yeah, that's quick rerun of episode seven, Stereotypes. Go check that out if you haven't. Racial bias in football commentary. But, yeah, without much further ado, guys, let's 
Get into episode eight. Use the hashtag BTHpod on all socials to continue the discussion. So guys, first major topic and section is going to be about the Anton Ferdinand documentary. So again, for those of you who aren't aware, Anton Ferdinand is a or now retired, was a black English footballer. Um, he played for a few clubs such as Queen's Park Rangers in London, Sunderland, etc. He was at the centre of one of, if not the biggest uh, racism in football story this country has ever seen. Um, it was him versus the then England captain, John Terry. Um, and yeah, just a quick breakdown of the story before I, before I go into it. Basically, um, he had a little tussle on the pitch with with John Terry. They're, they're both playing for rival clubs, QPR and Chelsea, both based in West London. Um, yeah, they just ha- had a little tussle as, as sports people, as football people do on, on the pitch. Um, <laughs> Anton maybe digged at Terry a bit too much um, by mentioning him sleeping with his... Uh, uh, team I thought that was cheeky, man. Yeah, it was. It was very cheeky, and he he admitted it. To be fair, he said, "You know, he's not proud of it." But he mentioned John Terry sleeping with his ex team, uh, his teammate's ex girlfriend, and there was a whole <laughs> again another saga surrounding that. But nothing on the racial side. That was just on on uh, John <laughs> Terry's. Yeah, it's just just on the <laughs> on the moral side of things. But that we won't get into that. Um, John John Terry's white, if if that wasn't obvious enough, um, and Anton Ferdinand's black. Um, then John Terry, you know, was was running away from Anton back into his position. And they were still having words back and forth. And John Terry responded with, you effing black C-word, you effing something else. Um, But Anton didn't actually hear it on the pitch. Um, He only got told, you know, after the game, his team won. And he went into his um, sort of box with his parents and family. And, you know, he was just having a laugh. And... And and he even spoke to Terry after the game like, straight away, and Terry was like, oh, "Are you okay, mate? Yeah, yeah." And he's like, "Yeah, it's all it's all part of the game, whatever." As they brushed it off as if nothing. Well, Terry especially brushed it off as if nothing happened. And then it that's the crazy part, you exactly, know. Exactly, yeah. Terry knew, and he, you know when he went into the t- tunnel, Terry said, "Yeah, we're good. Yeah, yeah, it's all good." Nah, good. he checked. He yeah. double checked. That like, that's yeah. the cheeky thing. Yeah, exactly. That's the cheeky thing. So Anton's obviously gone into um his his box and he's spoken to his parents, and everyone's like, "You okay? You're right. You good? You good?" Like, like do you know what's going on and he's like yeah, yeah we just won like i'm, I'm buzzing like yeah, he was happy it was a good win for yeah, them as well yeah. wasn't it he said he, he was buzzing and then they showed him the video and in the video you can't hear it but you can clearly see uh terry mouthing wow. the words you effing black c word um it, and and it's clear as day to see that he does say those words and terry even admitted to saying those words and then yeah anton just 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 lost his head like and and he nearly done a madness but his mom uh, kind of stopped him from from doing so um and just said that you know we need to do it in the right way otherwise yeah he probably could have could have be, been heading into a whole nother <laughs> mazar in in that situation so yeah then then the, the documentary kind of touches on what what happened after that and and the kind of incidents that sh- should have happened and did and but didn't happen or and the different issues spiraling on from that so the first one was the actual way the issue was handled and and who it was handled by so it got a member of the public um raised a complaint to the police and that's why it got taken into the kind of legal and prosecution side of things um due to sort of public interest in in a racial slur um so t- terry actually got sent to court but not via anton ferdinand like anton ferdinand never wanted it wanted it to go to court and i'll touch on that in a little bit but yeah so terry went to court and 
Um, you know, he even had his black teammate, Ashley Cole, testifying for him because um, he was actually pictured in a video. Um, and I, I guess that says a little bit about the kind of character Ashley Cole is. Um, he, he testified in support of John Terry um, and Terry's story was kind of, oh, I didn't use that racial slur as an insult towards you. I was repeating something back that that you had accused me of kind of thing and and just kind of trying to spin the story in that way um and all the evidence was basically saying that was going to be weighted against terry and he was pretty much likely to be found guilty but in the court of law apparently there was too much doubt in the way the words they were used and there was quote-unquote room for a misunderstanding um which is what the, the prosecutor said um at the time and, that, and basically in the court of law terry was found not guilty so Funnily enough, though, it didn't actually stop there. And, and the football authorities, and this is where sort of Anton's decision-making about it comes in, the football authorities, especially the Football Association, the FA, they took it further than court. Um, and this is kind of what Anton wanted wanted to do because Anton didn't actually speak out about this incident at the time. That's one of his biggest regrets. He um, he just kind of left it because he wanted to, A, concentrate on his football because you know he's a professional footballer in his mid-20s. He just wanted to get on with it and hope that the system and the football authorities would deal with it he left it to the football authorities and um the fa credit to them in, in a small sense they um at the time because the trial obviously went on for a number of months firstly they removed john terry as uh, england captain um, which caused a massive stir and even led to the current coach at the time fabio capello um, stepping down from his job because he wasn't consulted um but they went further and they actually found john terry guilty um of uh i'll just find the actual words they found john terry guilty of using offending words by way of insult uh using offensive racial language and he was fined two hundred twenty thousand pounds and was given a four-game ban and made to go on an educational course what's your, what's your view on that bro not enough nowhere near enough because i think a few years later or maybe a year later suarez uh got given like an eight-game ban yeah, and eight something other fan um but i don't think it's it's the, the length of the ban I think even the fine you know <laughs> someone like Terry would have earned that in, in like a week and yeah I think I think there's just more um I, I don't think it's necessarily just the punishment I think it's more the what he does after that mm-hmm. that, has to, that has to come into it and I think he should have been made to do more not, not just go in an educational course but bro you used to be the captain of England like you're arguably top three Most top influential. five influential like footballers in this country like if that's when it should have gone to the next level of he's been involved in this, but if you really want to show that he's turned a corner, if you found him guilty, get him involved in all your racial, um, anti-racism campaigns and all these kind of things that make him the face of it. Obviously, this is nine years ago, but if I didn't mention this was 2011, so we weren't, I, I guess most of society wasn't as forward thinking with regards to the solutions to racism as possible. But if that happened in today, I really, really, and I've mentioned it a couple of solutions before about using white players as the kind of face of these anti-racism campaigns. Like someone like that would have been a perfect example to say, look, he's done wrong. He's learned from me. He's turned a corner. He's an influential figure. Put him at the face and make him, don't just put him there and, and he's just standing on, on an advert, look, like kind of looking like he's forced <laughs> to be there. But like if he's truly changed and he wants to prove that he's changed, like get him to be the you know spokesperson of this and spokesperson of that and on these kind of adverts. And, you know, that will go a long way to speaking to, to, speaking to people um, on, on a deeper level to actually understand the, the issue that's kind of gone on so but um yeah yeah just so going back to you know Anton trusting the system and you know half the system let him down half the system I guess 
went in his favour. I mean, he didn't want it to go to court initially anyway, so I guess he wasn't too bummed out about um, Terry not being found guilty in the court of law, but it was just a little bit confusing. Um, but I guess his main thing from the documentary was not speaking out, which um, his his parents sort of advised him to speak out at the time, but there were so many like legalities and apparently just, just publicity kind of blockages in not letting him speak out. Um, but, he, but he regrets it. His brother, Rio Ferdinand, who is like, you know, a, a more famous and influential footballer than he was, um, he also didn't speak out on it either. And yeah, he says it's one of his biggest regrets because um, at the time his mum ended up dying, not via the incident, but like she died of cancer and, and he was kind of upset that, you know, he never got to speak out while she was alive kind of thing. So the documentary was kind of him doing it for her. Um just to show that he's you know turned the corner in in the time and and spoken out eventually one of the main issues i guess it it touched on the documentary was how the unconscious bias of the case kind of went especially with the football authorities and even though the fa ended up finding john terry guilty in the end the way they handled the case was absolutely just shambolic and and yeah it it really really infuriated me and, and a lot of people i spoke to the main thing being the interview of uh, John Terry versus the interview of Anton Ferdinand by the same two um, FA investigators. Terry's interview, you could just tell it was like, you know, jovial, lighthearted, um, you know. Get over the, and done with yeah, it. just get, yeah. It was just, it was like a chat between friends in a pub, like honestly, that they were joking about, oh, Terry, like, you know, you and Anton got into a bit of a tussle, didn't you? Like, you thought the referee was going to give you something, but you, yeah, refs don't mm. give, like, yeah, they're having football banter in. But see, that's the issue, like, it's because at the time he was what, still England captain. Yeah, yeah. Still Chelsea captain. Chelsea captain, you know, like, he's, he's John Terry defender. Like, yeah. It's the bloody defender of England, but I've come in that one Avengers, yeah. but. Like, in terms of, like, actual, like... It's like, popularity... It's like, it was, like, trying to knock his popularity. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, we don't want to knock John Terry's popularity because he's popular and he makes Britain a lot mm. of money because we buy his shirts and stuff mm. like that. But, exactly. And and just that un- unconscious bias of, of, you know, it's a white guy versus a black guy. So it's obviously two white guys be- uh, being the interviewers. So, mm-hmm. you know, when, when they're interviewing the black guy, it's going to be a bit more cold and a bit more, like, kind of hard hitting but with the with the white guy it's, it's a lot more chilled and a lot more jovial as it was um and th- that that kind of helped john terry's story kind of be accepted a bit more because because of the way they were interviewing him and maybe that resulted in his charge and his ban not being as much as it should be um and then weirdly conveniently the, the fa were, were only able to give like a short clip of, of john terry's interview and they weren't even able to give anton's interview which was apparently like very very hard hitting you know Anton and his manager at the time basically described the interview to be as if Anton Ferdinand was the one being prosecuted um the manager even called it out at the time he was like you know are you prosecuting Anton here um and again apparently they said they didn't they don't record interviews with victims so they they couldn't even like bring up bring up the proof that you know that's how they were interviewing Anton so we only had we only got to hear you know the Terry interview kind of thing so yeah just that unconscious bias you know and and just that narrative in general about about um about victim blaming in in incidents of discrimination and racism specifically like people are so and I'm going to touch on this later this this really infuriated me of some of the other um incidents that happened recently but when when someone calls out racism or discrimination and is genuinely offended by something and and takes it to certain organizations it's i feel like so many people's first instinct is to like 
it's to almost defend the perpetrator or the instigator before they check if the victim is okay and mm. and and back the victim in any kind of way and it's like i find that so backwards because like someone has come to you and, and they're saying they're hurt by something and offended by something but i don't know why if it, it seems like it just racism where it's like oh no but like that person would never be racist oh that person would never do this that person would never do that oh they probably meant this they probably meant that but Mean, and meanwhile, the other person is just there, like, suffering in, in whatever silence they have to suffer on. Anton's case, you know, he, it took him nine years to speak out on the incident. Yeah. And That's not, nuts alone. Yeah. Like, I think the fact that it took him so long. Cool. And also, it took him so long, but also took him uh, uh, evolution in the, you know, the matter of it. Mm. Like, people speaking out a lot more on racism now. Yeah. But that kind of helped trigger his, I guess... That probably helped trigger him or helped trigger BBC or something. Yeah. Like, hundred percent, there was no. They were like, "Hmm, what's happened? What can we do?" Well, it's twenty twenty. Black Lives Matter. Anton. Exactly. Like they, they definitely, they definitely, they definitely used that. And I'm not a big fan of the fact that they did that. But mm. like, yeah, I think they definitely used the the time as because I don't think we would have got that documentary if, had let's say George Floyd had didn't George happen. Floyd yeah. not happened. Do you know what I mean? Or. I don't think we would have got that documentary had, um, yeah, George Floyd triggered everything. Yeah. So, had it been come to the limelight, how they'd be taking the knee. Sorry. Wow. I am tired today. <laughs> but hey, we it's, it's, been, it's been a long week, trust me. Now, it's been a long year. <laughs> yeah, honestly. That's a yawn for 2020. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I, I'm not even capping. That's a, I'm tired of the year. But mm. it's been like, it's clear to see that, you know, they use that as a as a trigger. Yeah. No, no, it's it goes into the, the the media and how they again it's it's a manipulation of the media because this is obviously a hot topic at the moment and you know they it's it's difficult because you want to like the optimist would say would say oh because they are more um because they've changed changed their mindsets and they're more accepting and they know about anti racism now so that's the narrative that they're trying to put out so that's mm -hmm. why the the optimist would kind of say but then the cynics would say that as you're kind of saying now that oh it's, it's only because this is what's like kind of popping in the news at the moment that's, that's, that's exactly my point right? like yeah. it's actually just a load of that it's a load of um we want to look like we're involved and mm. engaged but that's what the media do in, in this life yeah well the media love love doing that so i'm not surprised yeah exactly so especially surprised. the british media they they're all over that and yeah and just going back to the whole victim blaming thing as well and something that featured in the documentary was Jordan Henderson who's a current um, Liverpool captain and senior England player and the, he spoke about um, like sort of in a similar time where there was an incident I mentioned before about Luis Suarez who was a South American footballer who was involved in a racial case with black footballer pa Patrice Evra and immediately like sort of when Suarez was charged for his um, his incident of racist abuse Liverpool and their whole team in the next game, as soon as he was charged, they all were they all wore Luis Suarez t shirts sort of in support of him and, and everyone was I don't I don't think there's as much outrage then as there probably should have been, but people kind of looked at it funny. I was like, What what are you kind of doing? But he, you know, kind of admitted to being in the wrong for doing that and and yeah, he was young at the time and obviously he's he's part of a football club, so if they're gonna tell him to wear a t shirt, obviously he's pretty much gonna wear it. I think it's like it's good that he's able to say it, but at the same time 
He's defending. It's like they're like, oh, the person that's in John Terry's shoes now is okay with this, but John Terry doesn't want to speak on it. You know what I mean? And and that's a, that's a key point. That last point, the fact that John Terry um refused to respond to Anton. Anton emailed him, emailed his representatives, yeah, right. and John Terry basically refused to comment on anything. He said he didn't want to touch on a, a closed case and yeah, all this kind right. of nonsense. I think that especially, because I think the, the point you just made about Henderson wouldn't have been so prevalent if John Terry was involved in this documentary mm-hmm. as well. And that's what Anton Ferdinand wanted. He said that, you know, this isn't about Anton versus John or whatever. This is about the whole bigger picture to show that, look, me and you had a blah, blah, blah nine years ago, but now we can come together black and white and show the progression of this kind of issue. But you like kind of still rejecting me and, and kind of put it into the past. Um, even John Terry's apology to well, it wasn't even to Anton at the time. Apology to the, for to everyone. yeah, just to everyone. It was kind of like um, I think I even have, have it written down that um, he said, um, yeah, he he said he apologized for his language and um, yeah, the effect that it's caused, and he'll carry on trying to fight racism, blah blah blah. And but he never mentioned Anton in the apology. Um, you know, yeah, he he never spoke to Anton afterwards, and like we said, he he refused. His representative said that you know. He, he just doesn't want anything to do with it and and Anton was kind of saying you know it's not it's not just about again about taking the knee and and about doing kind of performative acts which John Terry is that now done you know he's worn Black Lives Matter t-shirts he's the assistant coach of Aston Villa now which shows white privilege where look if you look where Anton is now you look where John Terry is now <laughs> mad um but yeah it's not just about doing all those things like here you have an opportunity. Anton's giving you the platform now. He didn't have to do it, but he gave you the platform now to and you fumbled really, and, and and you just ignored it. And it, I think I think it's just he, he missed yeah. a massive trick there, um, be, because I think he would have done so good to have and again I speak about it, having the white presence in these kind of campaigns and these documentaries is so key because it's it's, it's always black people doing it and and we're the victims and you know we can share our experiences to some extent but we're not the ones who are going to change and stop racism we, we need the, the the white people and our white allies to kind of help us and do this and i think someone like john terry being involved in that documentary would have been yeah would have taken it to another stratosphere if i'm honest with you but again it shows the the, the journey that we're still on and for anyone who thinks that oh like so and so happened in 2020 so you know racism's on its way to being cancelled like if you talk about percentages we're probably like half a percent of the way we were this year than we were like a year ago if half a percent because if you know, is, i don't think it's even half a percent bro. i think i think the number i think the the number wasn't known now the number's known okay that's i hear that i hear that yeah I hear that. yeah you're right it's been brought to light that's all, that's all it is. nothing's actually been done yeah no. i hear you i hear you nothing yeah, because because yeah, the, this year I feel we have to be very careful. It's filled with a lot of tokenism, a lot of performative acts, virtue signaling, people acting like they and, and and you have to get to that stage at some point. You have to get people to know about something. But and this is why this platform exists in terms of tangible solutions because you have to then go and do something about it. Once your mindset is changed, if if you're not putting it into action, then nothing's actually going to be changed at the end of the day. And Again, I'm going to touch on it later, but it's not just about the element of abuse with racism. Abuse is like the extreme side of racism in terms of your N-words, your bananas and things like that. But it's about the unconscious bias, the, the you know, little comments, the banter here and there. It's all those things that we need to change that are the elements of racism that we're talking about. So when, when people say, oh, I'm not racist because I have this person or, or, or I don't say the N-word, that is like a, a high percentage of the world doesn't do that mm-hmm. especially in in public anyway but it's about all those little things that stop you know ethnic minorities from getting jobs and stop ethnic minorities from 
doing things in, in life and, and the economic equality and all of that. That is the racism that we're trying to tackle here. So it's, it's, it's these little things that we need to try and focus on and try and get when we have an opportunity like a documentary such as this to, to kind of push forward and, and to infiltrate society in that way. For real. That's, just, that's what it is bro yeah man that's what it is bro but yeah so if you guys haven't um checked out the documentary I'd, I'd highly highly recommend it um there's there's a lot of issues um even even speaking about you know the way anton was treated by kick it out and 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 you know how the, the kind of fancy hashtags and lip service that people still give um still gave then and still give now kind of thing um and you know there's even a thing with kick it out in the fa which i might get into in in a future um week with with troy townsend um because there's there's a lot to be kind of unpicked with the football authorities and and how they kind of deal with each other and that kind of thing um but yeah the documentary was, was very very good uh, i watched it a few times as i mentioned so i'd highly highly recommend it bbc iplayer please have a watch of it if you haven't already um let me know your thoughts on it you know go on at beyond hashtag on insta give, give me a shout and yeah we'll have, we'll have a chat about it if you're listening to us on apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a review and a five-star rating okay guys so the next topic we wanted to talk about um sort of current news story was a, a post surrounding uh sort of offensive word used by apparently footballer um, Edison Cavani. So he's a Uruguayan footballer who currently plays for Manchester United, um, white footballer as well. So recently come to the country a few months ago. Um, he sort of, he replied to a post on, on Instagram after he'd scored a couple of goals and won the game for, for Man United. So he was on a high and um, someone sent him an Instagram story and he reposted it and he replied saying gracias quote negrito um and yeah he was basically uh made to take it down because it was you know offensive word and you know sort of not acceptable in this country so we wanted to kind of touch on um you know why this was seen as offensive and again some of the issues that have branched off this this particular post and this particular incident um incidentally cavani um is currently under FA investigation for the for the incident and and could face a three game ban um, as per the FA rules. So the FA rule states uh, if a comment is deemed to include a reference to a person's ethnic origin, color, race, or nationality, then that will be regarded as a potential aggravating factor in any punishment. The rules make it clear that the owners of social media accounts are responsible for any content posted from their account, whether by themselves or third party. So even though he deleted it, it doesn't sort of let him off the hook. Um, and then, then at the start of this season, the FA issued fresh guidelines on racist language and behaviour on social media. And these offences carried a minimum ban of three matches. So that's what Cavani could be facing um, from the FA. And I think the potential verdict, if if they have carried it through, I, I did a bit of research, but they still haven't had a conclusion, could be coming on around the 14th of December so by the time you listen to this episode the verdicts might have come out so we might we'll post it on our socials when we do get the results um but yeah that's that's the kind of current situation with where Cavani is with with his his incident but yeah so we want to touch on I guess the the word that he used and again some of the issues that that come around that so the word Negrito um I, I was speaking to one of my friends uh shout out Jeevan he used to live in Spain and we, 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 he, yeah, I got a bit of a lesson in, in why 
this was wrong and, and kind of why it was offensive in the first place. So Negrito, Negrito is in direct translation means means little black person in terms of if you want to direct it from Spanish to English, like translate directly. But it's not actually used like that in terms of like, like, like they're not calling like a midget black person yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of thing. It's kind of like a, and you even used the example, if someone's called Benjamin, you, call, you might call them Benji. It's kind of like a little like nickname, kind of like a friendly mm. kind of term. So it is used in like kind of um, a friendly light, but that doesn't mean it's right. Yeah, I was wondering, that's freaking bad. The justification doesn't, doesn't. No, no. Oh yeah. So this, this wasn't me. This is me just explaining it, but mm-hmm. I'm not justifying it. That doesn't mean it's right. And the problem in Spain, Latin American countries, Eastern European countries is that it goes deep into the way black people are treated out there that these words are like casual enough to be used in everyday life. So it started off with the fact that there weren't that many black people there to start with, but now they are a significant amount of black people there. Like don't be fooled by the fact that you think it's still all white people and all the black people are in England. There are enough black people in Italy, Spain and all these countries, <laughs> but they're not treated on a level playing field as they should be there's an argument that just black people in England just have a louder voice. So that's why you hear more things coming mm. out of England, but there are a significant population of black people in Spain and Italy, these kind of countries. So don't be fooled. Um, but yeah, it's just a way of like kind of belittling, ultimately belittling black people and kind of seeing them as low, low members of society. If you're constantly referring to them by their race, you know, you might, you might hear them say, Hey, negra, negra. Like again, they, in their head, they're, they're not, thinking that they're abusing you but, yeah, but it's, culturally. it's yeah culturally it's just that unconscious bias of and i kind of related to it's like you're cool like you're black but you're cool but if you step out of line it's going to turn from like negrito to the actual aggressive yeah, yeah. Do you know what i mean it's kind of like they're flirting with you on on a little thing uh, tea, until, yeah until you do something wrong so that's that's kind of how i see the, that that kind of word being used um in in kind of culture and that's why i guess so so someone like Cavani again he hasn't meant harm by it but and he's not the problem per se but it's the whole culture and how generationally um you know latin americans and and spanish people and people in europe have been brought up to i guess devalue black people in, mm-hmm. in that way even and again it might not be co- consciously but that's how these words have come about and that, that's the meaning behind these kind of words being used so that's why it's offensive and obviously in this country the tolerance is tolerance bar is way lower than it is um in, in those kind of countries so the moment you use these kind of words it ha- it's going to be cancelled and it's not going to be seen as accept uh, acceptable at all so that is the reason why one of the main solutions to this kind of incident and issues of players coming to football players especially coming to this country um and knowing about the rights and wrongs it's about education and education is i think one of the most vital parts of this fight against racism and and this the issues that we kind of see we can't monitor to the absolute minute detail everything a player should or shouldn't do when they come to this country especially with regards to racial abuse so you can't when a player comes to england you can't give them hundred word checklist to say don't say this don't say that don't like we can't do that because we have to manage things on a case-by-case basis but it's yeah it's a, it's about giving them the whole picture of what the what the situation is in this country how it's different to your spains your italy's your whatever and and kind of teaching them about diversity and inclusion and 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 teaching them you might give the odd example of the main kind of words that are maybe used more frequently and and which are not acceptable but you know you mix that in with okay look on your social media just be aware you know if you're posting certain things especially things related to people's color gender 
ra- uh, yeah, race, ethnicity, religion, all these kind of things. You have to be very, very careful because in this country, certain things are not acceptable, and 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 that's the kind of education that that people have to have. And we've had people like Troy Deeney and Gary Neville, who are sort of famous. Um, Troy Deeney still playing football. Gary Neville, ex footballer, kind of pundits who talk on radio shows and and TV shows quite often. Again waving the flag for education especially for football players because it's it's never going to change unless people are educated like Cavani posted that because he thought there was nothing wrong with it because yeah, so he needs to be educated that it's wrong and and what he should do and 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 what and even the history behind why it, it's negative so then he can go and you know teach the people around him and you know if he's going back to Uruguay or wherever he's going, then, you know, he, he's learned something from his time yeah. in England that that's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And then that's what spirals into, you know, things changing, ch- things changing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that he will do that. You know, he might just see it as, oh no, I can't say anything to in public anymore. And there, there's, you're always going to get people who... But then I think it's what we're talking about, how B- saying people like BBC are using a programme to, yeah. it's, the, it's the same concept. That, and how I mean, how I mean that is the, the, informing them or telling you about it yeah. is is obviously entry level of you understanding something mm-hmm. it might not be it might not be um you're, you're consciously having it, having to put the effort in to trigger yourself to not do it or yeah. in yeah. bbc's case to do it but or for people to purposely hire black people yeah or for someone to stop saying um the word in their in their language yeah. that sounds and is very is very like bad over here but even still, if they consciously made the effort, yeah, over time it would then become a natural unconscious, unconscious, yeah. yeah so yeah, I guess yeah, it is unconscious bias or unconscious, whatever. Yeah. Um, to be honest, it is one of those things, isn't it? But right. well, that's that's what you said earlier about this year revealing the number rather than actually being a like percent a number percentage yeah. that we've grown it's more just the number wasn't there before but now it's there so yeah, now we can yeah. see the issue so if there's one thing like positive to come out of a lot of these things is that people are aware and people's eyes have mm. been open so they might not be able to they might not have taken any steps forward but their eyes have been open and i think i i bruv, i think i said i said it already and i said it again today yeah this year's made me tired, bro. <laughs> well, that's us because, as black people, yeah. Because, bruv, I'm tired, bruv. Like, <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> I, like, bro, I don't think I'm so tired of how much they've, like, put it in our face. Yeah. Oh, I'm happy. Don't get me yeah, wrong. I'm happy. Yeah. Guys, I'm happy. Yeah. I'm just tired. Yeah. Okay? There's a difference. And I hope people understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Because like, I'm being real. I'm, I'm like, bruv. We need to get this stuff like over time. The next, whether it takes the next decade or the next generation, generation. or whatever it it takes, yeah. We need to just naturally let the thing flow of people knowing that one, they're racist, or two, they need to stop being racist, yeah. and we need to get rid of that. Like we just need. I'm tired of. I'm tired of. I'm. T- I'm happy that everyone's waking up. Yeah. But I'm tired, bro. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's me, bro. No, no, but I think you're right. To be tied because it's a it's a case of all these things have been happening to black people whether it's out in the open or um, subtly for for all our lives you mm. know we're, we're in our twenties there's our, our parents etc it's been happening so now that it's brandished in every news story in every documentary whatever so it's kind of like it's amplifying everything we've been experiencing in our lives for ages so of course it's going to make us mentally and emotionally tired and that's what I'm talking about 
when you're using black people to speak about all these things, it's like we we, we live it daily. But so give daily us a break. Li- give us a break. Like we have to experience this. Let me the- rest. Ah, <laughs> you know? let me rest. On a day to day level, we have to experience these things. So then you want me to go and make a speech to hundred people about my experience that I experienced day to day. Like I'm, I just, I just want a break. Like I know. And I, it's, and it's, and then, and then and then if I'm tired, the token person is even more tired. Exactly. Exactly. So a man is coming up saying that every on every single outlet. Sterling Rashford. Like I've done. He's tired. Bro. Go you know to I mean? sleep. Take pillow, bro. <laughs> Honestly, oh. so it's 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 a lot, but again, part of me sometimes feels, I guess, that we in our generation we have to be tired so our kids are not tired. Mm-hmm. If, if 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 you want to put it like that, or like we we have to make some kind of sacrifice. Um, people before us have tried to make sacrifices, but I guess we have to make we have to make sacrifice in a progressive and effective way for eventually. If the issue dies out in, well, it might not die out, but if, if the issue gets progressed in a hundred years time, it's because of the, some of the things that we've done yeah. and because we had to endure X, Y, Z, but we, because we made the moves to better X, Y, Z, then that's why, you know, the, our kids or our grandkids are able to live a bit more free and, and that kind of thing. Cause, cause I guess what we've, it's the effect has, ha- has been had on us in, in a certain way. If you compare to how black people were treated in the seventies and eighties in terms of the, the outward racist abuse that they received. Like we're still able to walk the streets most of the time freely without the hope that, um, that well, so without the fear that we'd get something thrown at us or that kind of thing. But it still happens. So it's not like, completely eradicated, but like, for example, I can go to a football game and not be fearing for my life that someone's going to like attack me because I'm black. Mm. Like, I, and that wasn't the case, let's say uh, 30, 40 years ago. So right. the progress has come to, to certain levels but and people had to again people had to go through facing the physical abuse in those times so we could be able to kind of go to games and and do these kind of things so but that 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 doesn't mean we should praise that because it's kind of like going from minus two to minus one like you're Mm -hmm. you're not even at zero yet so relax um but they every, every generation that makes progress has to kind of endure some kind of pain so that the next generation can be a bit more free so i guess our pain is coming through the emotional and the social media side and bro there's days when like when no, stuff can't say our pain bro the pain before us has been paining oh no exactly yeah so exactly so, we want our pain to be lost that's what we're saying yeah exactly so you know there's days where like something might happen in in the media i always reference the george floyd time and and everything that happened then because because I was working at the time, but just when, when everything's going on and you're just scrolling through social media, reading like story after story, watching video after video, and you just come to the end of the day and having conversation after conversation. And literally, as you said before, I'm just tired, like mentally Bruv, even, and emotionally. Even yesterday, Rev, I was, <laughs> I was going to, I was going to like work, yeah, I was going to this thing. Someone saw me with my cases. Yeah. And he was like, oh, where are you off to? Yeah. I said, well, if you can see, like, I've got 10 boxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 10 bags, yeah. Man's like, oh, where are you going? I was like, I'm going to work. Yeah. He's like, oh, look, they're going to the Caribbean, mate. I said, what? what? I, I literally said, so what made you think that? He goes, ah, oh, because it's gloomy here. I said, nah, huh? why can't I be going to Spain? <laughs> what, what? I literally said to him, why can't I be going to Spain? Yeah. And he's like, oh. He's like, so you started fumbling. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, ah. Oh. I just... <laughs> that's, that's what I mean, tired, like, on a daily. But then, then you'll you have that times times seven for every day of the week you, you'll receive that comment, kind of comment every day of the week then the next week someone will say oh by the way mr sound producer come and 
do a speech to 100 school kids about that experience. Leave me alone. Rel- Leave me <laughs> alone. Stop. I'm tired. Me- Relive Stop. it again. Stop. Relive it again. Stop. And and tell, tell us how you felt. Tell us what he'd done for you. Like, to relive every... And you're thinking, oh my goodness, like... But, yeah, it's just... Stop. It's, it's, stop. It's just, just, just stop it now, guys. Can we... Everyone... Know that there's the resources and the education is out there. Yeah, black people don't have to teach you about racism. We don't need to don't teach need to. you. Teach yeah. yourself. Yeah. Because all the resources are there. We've done told yeah. you, bruv. We've done told you. Yeah. yeah? We've done told you. This is me speaking, bruv. I don't rant. I'm tired. <laughs> and I've done told you. It's fine. It's real, man. It's, it's real. real. It's, it's real, real life, bruv. Man. It's real, real bruv. It's real Frustration, life. bruv. But you know what it is? At the end of the day, we know that the solution is going to come and that's why we're here. You that's get why me? we're here. That's the whole reason why we each, each, each episode we come out and give you, give you topics yeah. and give you solutions. So yeah. I think it's, it's a good, it's a good platform that everyone should be listening to. So yeah. if you are listening to this, um, make sure you share it. Tell your friends. Come on. Use the hashtag. You get come me? On. Hashtag BTH pod. You're not like there, man. So yeah, just coming back to the Cavani thing again, just touching on the diversity and inclusion training that um, someone like... (laughs) It's it's, it's a lot, man. Um, Touching on the diversity and inclusion training that Gary Neville mentioned, um, it's it's just quite shocking at the moment that football hasn't been able to provide some sort of compulsory curriculum for all its players. um, And it's like, you know, officials, coaches, fans... um, to include some kind of curriculum on diversity and inclusion um you know gary neville spoke about if you have this kind of thing in football then you can also take it into schools into all employers all sports kind of thing to 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 just teach people about diversity diversity and inclusion on a regular basis so i had the thought of you know why can't a if a foreign person comes into this country um to play football as part of their you know (laughs) their signing on fee they get the shirt or whatever you have to go on diversity and inclusion training because that's adopting the way of life to living in this country as well as all the other things you might have to learn about the league and what whatever i think that should be a requirement for players coming to this country but the players who are also in this country and and anyone who plays for a football club in this country especially on a professional level should be able to what well, should have compulsory yearly it might even be more frequently later on but at least yearly diversity and inclusion training um to teach them because this these kind of things progress each year so they're not getting the same training each year it's getting a more developed training than you got in 2019 you get another one in 2020 different things have happened in 2021 so so you're more up to date and more aware and these kind of things should be done on a very very frequent basis and should be compulsory for all people and and you know i don't know whether you, you want to get into you have to complete some sort of exam so you you show that you know your understanding kind of thing but there should be some kind of training to teach people about these things um and, and not just brandish it to oh only when a foreign person comes into this country they have to get the training in and that's it. it should be everyone standard for every club it's just the case of if you've come into a club and they've already done their diversity training a couple of weeks ago then obviously you have to get up to speed with that but once you're in the club if you've been there for a couple of years then you would have experienced that training on on a yearly basis or maybe a six monthly basis that kind of thing but yeah, it's just it's, it's up to the authorities and always up to the authorities to kind of to get this thing kind of right and listen to platforms such as this, people such as Gary Neville who are calling for these things. Like <laughs> Gary Neville mentioned, there's five main organisations who kind of deal with football in this country. You've got the Premier League, the FA, the EFL, 
the LMA, which is League Managers Association, and LMA. Yeah. Oh, and <laughs> <laughs> LMA, LMA. Shout out. Great saying. Come on the pod. LMA, if you want to. I'm shouting you out. <laughs> um, yeah, the LMA, the League Managers. Take a trip over <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, the League Managers Association and the PFA. Between the five of them, they've all got different slogans to, to their response to racism. They've got like. Um, one of them uses Black Lives Matter. Another one uses No Room for Racism. The players one uses Players Together. You've got Show Racism, the red card. I think the FA has got Take a Stand. So there's five of them using all different angles. They can't even agree on one campaign for racism, let alone the fact that they have the money to put on these kind of diversity and inclusion trainings for all clubs on a yearly basis. The clubs also have money to kind of do these things. So you, you could even say things like, listen, if you're a club that's participating in the Premier League or the EFL, you have to put aside a certain amount of budget to do this diversity and inclusion training. Or if there's enough money, I don't know how the economics works, so don't quote me on that. But if there's enough money in all these organisations that I've just mentioned, then they should be putting on the training for the clubs. Vice versa, there's enough money in football for it to happen is the main point. So, and and that, that's the kind of level we have have to get to. And I, I've just sort of touched on a major solution. I'll, I'll recap it later. But the, the diversity and inclusion training education for people in dealing with these kind of issues will make them see the error of their ways and make them know what is right and wrong. And that, that's the bottom line. So guys, that's the end of part one. Um, <laughs> I told you this guy, this was a major episode, guys, and we actually have to split it up into two. So firstly, let us know all your thoughts on the two stories that we've spoken about, the whole Negrito incident and the Anton Ferdinand documentary that we've reviewed. Let us know if you guys watched it or if you guys are tracking these stories and or what you thought of the explanations that we've given. Um, part two is going to come out in a week's time. Or, so expect that just before christmas as a little early christmas present for you guys stay tuned for that and keep following our socials because we've got a couple of major stories still to talk about focusing on the istanbul versus psg game and the millwall taking the knee or booing the knee should i say but yeah appreciate you guys listen and see you next week